You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday afternoon. Let's turn to our first guests and topic of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about Chinese white dolphins. Now, according to the Agricultural Fisheries and Conservation Department, the number of dolphins has fallen by 80% in the past 15 years, with fewer than 50 spotted between 2017 and 2018. WWF Hong Kong is now calling for an emergency action plan so that we can safeguard our precious Chinese white dolphins and other species uh, in the territory before it's too late. And to tell us a little bit more about this action plan, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Lawrence McCook, who is the Head of Oceans Conservation at WWF Hong Kong, along with Doris Wong, the Oceans uh, Conservation Officer. Thank you, Doris Wu, sorry, big pun, the Oceans Conservation Officer. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon, uh, Lawrence and Doris. Thanks, we are also on Facebook Live as well. Uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see uh, Doris and Lawrence there. Uh, ladies first, maybe I'll start with you. Uh, Doris, maybe if you can sort of give um, us an outline of the situation uh, with our Chinese white dolphins here in Hong Kong and the Pearl River Delta. So we know that, like, um, in Hong Kong, the local abundance has dropped, like, over 80% in the past 15 years. And it is actually uh, a similar situation in the Pearl River Delta. So there are about, um, only about 2,000 individuals left. So in the past years, um, the population has been dropping continuously at a rate of 3% throughout the whole Delta region. So basically because um, the dolphin, they're facing, like, a lot of different human threats namely the habitat loss and degradation, prey depletion, underwater noise disturbance, um, ship strikes, coastal terrestrial development, and also um, toxins and pollutants. So all these are actually threatening um, the animals. And uh, we, have to, we're, we also have to notice that um, these threats are actually not very effectively mitigated, even in some existing protected areas. Yeah, such as, where are these protected areas? So for Hong Kong, we have um, three designated marine parks and two proposed marine parks. So for the three, they are um, the Brothers Marine Park, the Sha Chao Long Chao Marine Park, and also the Southwest Lantau Marine Parks. Okay. So, and we also have two um, nature reserves in China, so one um, in the Lingjing Bay and the other one in Jiangmen. You mentioned just now some of these sort of negative uh, effects. Um, what sorts of uh, environmental impact assessment is being carried out uh, for noise uh, pollution, for example, or, or other mm. areas? Yeah, so um, according to the existing EIA system, so we're actually assessing... Explain uh, what EIA is for some of our listeners. Okay, the environmental impact assessment. So um, that's a compulsory part for all um, project proponents mm. to, uh, to do... The, the assessment before um, they actually start the construction works. So it is actually required um, in Hong Kong according to the environmental impact assessment ordinance. So it is also a common and also a standard uh, practice in many countries for um, so as to ensure that the proposed work they don't create like too significant or a lot of irreversible impacts to the environment. So, okay. And uh, how in-depth are these sort of environmental assessment uh, reports and, mm -hmm. and how impartial are, are they also? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and for, who carries them out? Mm -hmm. So uh, basically, uh, it's the project proponent to prepare the EIA report. 
And then for the government, there will be uh, Environmental Protection Department and also um, AFCD, Agriculture, Fisheries and Conservation Department, assessing whether um, the report is thorough enough or is accurate enough. Uh, so we have like a very clear guidelines. We have the ordinance, we have the technical memorandum for um, the project proponents to see like which impacts they should assess. Uh, but the problem is that we realize for the underwater noise disturbance, it is not included or is made uh, mandatory as part of the assessment. Yeah, so that's why right now we're calling the government to uh, improve the existing guidelines, regulations, and to also um, assess this impact. And also another problem is that, um, so it's good to see that a lot of project proponents, they propose a lot of mitigation measures to reduce um, the predicted environmental impacts. But in reality, many of these measures, they are not um, carried out effectively. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll just yeah, chime in, Noreen. One, one thing to be really aware of for um, for the Chinese white dolphins is that the, the waters they live in and feed and, and exist in uh, are not very clear. So, you know, it's the Pearl River estuary. You can't see very far underwater. So they hunt, they get their food, they behave, they interact, they communicate almost entirely acoustically by sound. And so when we have sound pollution, which is something we tend to pay less attention to, especially, of course, underwater sound, then that's very much more disturbing for these animals. It's like, you know, light pollution would be for us. Um, we couldn't drive safely if there was too much light blaring around at night or, or something like that. So it's a, it's a really critical factor for the dolphins. It can it limit their ability to get food, their ability to talk to each other, and, and can chase them away from the places they need to be to, to get their food. Yeah. Are these dolphins quite um, adaptive, adaptable? I mean, so they don't live in Hong Kong, but do they just go further into the Pearl River, the Delta? Is it mm. safer for them to stay there in, in a way? Mm. So uh, they are, yes, they are adaptive, the, but the issue is that they um, they are estuarine species. So for most of the fishes they, they come feed back on, yeah. yeah, it's limited to a very um, restricted area, especially uh, the brackish water near the Pearl River estuary. So these those are the limited area where the dolphins can find food. So if we conduct any um, development works there, we are actually further reduced already restricted um, feeding habitat. Yeah, Again, just to note that um, you know, the Pearl River Delta, the Greater Bay Area, is one of the most developed coastlines in the world. We think this is quite likely the largest population of these dolphins anywhere in the world. So the problem they and have... their numbers already dwindling. That's right. Yeah. There's just not very many places left for them to go. If we, if we chase them from one area or if we make one area unsuitable, there's not a lot of options left for them. So we need mm -hmm. to be preserving the options we have and optimising those options, if you yeah. like. So you mentioned just now a really good point, Lawrence, and that is sound pollution. And, and a lot of these environmental in um, uh, impact assessment reports, they don't really factor it in or these are not carried out properly. How do they assess the noise pollution then? So mainly based on, like, previous experience and also some um, subjective yeah, uh, uh, opinion. So uh, because there are no clear guidelines on where how to quantify the underwater noise, so usually uh, for project proponents, they will base on 
uh, previous um, EIA reports. But mostly for it, for this practice, they tend to underestimate the severity and also like the significance of the impact that we create and that will impact the animals. Yeah, well, so. let's talk about some of the that the projects that these Chinese white dolphins mm-hmm. and the other animals have been through in the last 10, 15 years, so, mm-hmm. or 20, so they've been the, the airport, mm-hmm. um, what are, um, the, the bridge? The bridge, exactly. The, the bridge is mm-hmm. a big one. And also it's artificial island as Artificial well. island and mm-hmm. now maybe development of um, Lantau Vision, um, mm-hmm. that can, North Lantau development as well. Yeah, and one more thing, it's um, the LNG platform, the liquefy um, natural gas platform that will be carried out very soon. We're actually closely monitoring uh, the powering works there. Um, they haven't started, but like during the construction phase, we're definitely going to um, to quantify the noise that you create and see if it will impact and, and the noise, whether the noise will spread into the proposed to South Lantau Marine Park. As they mentioned uh, in the EIA, it's not going to uh, impact the marine park, but According to our noise propagation modeling study, it does have um, the I'm effect. I'm horrified as to how yeah. much we've been putting these animals through. We've spent so long on, on the problems. Okay, let's talk about the action plan that mm-hmm. um, WWF Hong Kong uh, is proposing at the moment. So you're calling for an emergency action plan. Uh, maybe Lawrence and Doris, you can outline it for us. What does this entail? Sure. So there's basically we go through each of the major threats and identify ways to manage it. The first, the the kind of overarching measure is to create um, a network, if you like, of core habitat areas. These are the, the, the primary areas that the dolphins need currently throughout the entire delta and to propose specific measures that need to be protections that need to be in place in those core habitat areas. And then a network of of connection areas um, which we're calling buffer areas in which um, we don't have such intensive protection but we make sure that the dolphins are able to transit between their different primary habitat feeding areas socializing areas and so on and then um, a bunch related to those and, and kind of based around those you know measures to reduce water pollution measures to make the fisheries more sustainable for for example um, addressing the the extensive illegal fishing that happens throughout the estuary and and uh, and a a few other things it's worth emphasizing that almost all of these measures will have benefits far beyond the dolphins of course so they'll help fisheries that helps the livelihoods of people that, that depend on fish and it can improve the food we have on our plates in seafood loving Hong Kong, if we uh, if we improve water uh, pollution, that's that's much better for people. It's much better for the entire ecosystem, and so on. So, so these are win wins. Yeah, can, can you give us an example of these sort of um, better fishing uh, habits or practices? So, Hong Kong has actually banned illegal trawling already. So, uh, are we still seeing illegal fishing? So, so um, we've banned bottom trawling throughout Hong Kong waters but apparently there's a lot of evidence to suggest that there is quite extensive illegal fishing particularly at night illegal trawling yes and so the these problem fishermen that, are just having going on their boats in the night time, in the middle of the night, when mm, nobody's watching and just fishing. That's that's apparently right, and there's there's some evidence for, to support that. The 
so so the thing is that the thing to be aware of is when you have that kind of fishing it actually prevents the fish stocks recovering that's obviously bad for the dolphins that want to eat the fish but it's also bad for the the legal fishers the people that do would like to make a, a a sustainable local living from from fishing because we are keeping the fish at such low numbers they can never recover now so that that's kind of a, a social justice um, issue if you like and and an economic issue because we prevent the economic recovery so if we can address that simply by um, you know catching and and penalizing the people that are breaking the law then again we get this kind of win-win thing happening yeah um let's talk a little bit more about uh say the, the, the dolphins um sometimes you know there are people who hire boats to also uh, watch dolphins um what's your take on this and how can we do it sort of in a sustainable manner or is there such thing as a sustainable dolphin watching mm-hmm. So speaking of dolphin watching, it is actually pretty controversial among the academic field. Yeah, because for some experts, they, they're really concerned that whether the declining population can withstand like extra pressure from these recreational activities. So um, we do agree that we'll have to conduct more research to see if uh, yeah, to collect more um, quantitative data to see if um, the population they're strong enough to withstand, withstand all these. Uh, but we will have to say that like dolphin watching is a really good chance for the public to uh, to really see the dolphins to feel connected with the nature, and yeah, because of that. Like we already have a set of um, global standards, dolphin watching code of conduct. So hopefully it can also be implemented in Hong Kong as well. And and the good news is that in Hong Kong, we actually has ha- have several um, dolphin friendly dolphin watching opera- operators and companies. So yeah, the public are encouraged to join these trips organized by the, those companies. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll just throw That's in a couple right. of it. So, you know, if, if you are interested in going and watching, please choose somebody that is going to be dolphin friendly, that is following that code of conduct. Encourage them to follow the code of conduct rigorously. You know, don't get too close. Don't chase the dolphins, etc. And don't um, keep the engine running, I think, because that scares yeah. them yeah. also, disturbs them. And, and and then, you know, finally, it's worth, it's really worth emphasising that the best thing we can do for people that want to see dolphins is make sure we keep them around. In fact, let's see if we can restore the population so there's more dolphins so our children can go and watch the dolphins because mm-hmm. there's more of them there to see. Absolutely. Um, a couple of comments uh, from, from our listeners. You can write in, by the way. Our email address is uh, 123show at rthk.hk. You can also uh, be watching on Facebook as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, Stuart has written in and he says uh, the EIAs have all been corrupt. And he says the mitigation management uh, for the dolphins has nothing going on since 1989 and nothing has positively been endorsed. And uh, and he says the third runway EIA was corrupt as well uh, as was the bridge uh, uh, and fishing uh, LNG development continued traffic frequency increase on the North Lantau waterway and that comment comes uh, from Stuart thank you very much I- indeed um, apart from the action plan what can the public do uh, we, we, we touched on sort of choosing responsibly uh, what else can the public do in terms of uh, 
helping uh, these dwindling numbers. And rightly pointed out by you, Lawrence, not just the Chinese white dolphins, but there are other species Mm. that uh, will benefit uh, from, from, from all of this. Well, so the first thing we'd like to ask you listeners to do is to uh, sign our online petition. You should be able to find that via our website, um, www.org.hk. Um, if you have trouble finding it, then come back an hour or two later. We're, we're having some issues just now. Too many um, people are trying to sign up yes. to support. <laughs> but, but signing that really will help us um, show the various people in in the government but also in the private sector that we need to work with that there is strong support for this. We have a brochure available online that summarises this issue, summarises the the plan in an easy to read way. Um, We have a a questionnaire survey for ferry passengers because we we would like to encourage the ferry the high speed ferry traffic when it returns. We'd like to encourage that to do in a way that to to um, improve the way it in, interacts with dolphins or affects dolphins. Um, of course, because on the way to Macau, it's also their direct route. That's as well. right. Yeah. So you know, there's there's a number of options which, if if done thoughtfully, can can minimise the impact on the business, minimise the impact on the passengers. And, uh, of course, both business and passengers would be so happy to be coming back at all after the, the shutdown that we think that can be done in a, a way that that works. Um, and, you know, then broader things, um, share opinion, engage, um, engage your representatives on developments that are going to, to affect the marine habitats generally, and especially the dolphins. Um, choose sustainable seafood that helps the dolphins get their share. And... Um, and if you do, if you're out on the water and you observe illegal fishing, um, you can report that to the authorities, and that helps even the playing field for the people that are fishing the right ways. Yes, one eight two three is that number, by the way. I always report on that number. They're very good. They get back to you very quickly. Just take a photo. And yeah, anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, well, I, th- I think that's the the key things. Yeah. Mm. Um, before I let you go, I also read somewhere that uh, the, th- these numbers are also dwindling because they're not reproduct uh, they're not reproducting as quickly, or their offspring are actually dying uh, prematurely as well. Uh, is that true with the Chinese white dolphins? Yeah. So the th- the thing with any population of of anything, I mean, it, it's it's much like your bank account, if you like. the The amount in the bank account depends how much new is coming in, so what's the birth rate, the reproduction, and how much is going out, that's the death rate. You know, some, some death rate is natural, some spending our money is natural, right? But uh, it, it, so, so if, for example, food is in limiting limited availability because we've overfished the area, then um, that's going to affect the dolphins' reproduction. It's going to affect their health, so they may be less able to get out of the way of marine traffic, and so on. So these things are not independent; they interact. And yeah, the the birth rate, maintaining the health of the individuals, is really important to maintaining the health of the population. Yeah, it's so depressing. But <laughs> there's also a silver lining in that it's not too late. You know, we can still do something and we can, there's still a lot we can do uh, to, to help uh, these Chinese white dolphins and the other species uh, in our Pearl River estuary. Uh, remind our listeners once again, if they want to help, what can we do? Uh, have you got a website and social media uh, that we can support WWF? Doris? Yeah, so uh, we, we, we create a petition page. So we really encourage our public to sign a petition so that we can um, lobby our government and to express our ask 
for um, designating the Dolphin Conservation Management Area by 2024. Yep. And also we encourage uh, the public to to take a look at our pamphlet so that actually summarize our action plan to see what are the current situation of the dolphins and what we can do uh, at individual level and also what government can do. Mm -hmm. And also uh, we have a questionnaire survey so we also encourage it is still open it is still accepting um uh people to to fill the survey so yeah please feel free to um join to complete that and express your opinion whether like for the high-speed ferries what can they do more for the dolphin conservation mm -hmm. and as what uh, Lauren said so we have some general stuff that we can do uh, consume seafood according to our sustainable seafood guide and also like report illegal fishing when um, you're out Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. And we've been speaking to Doris Wu, an Oceans Conservation Officer, along with Lawrence McCook, who is the Head of Oceans Conservation, both from WWF Hong Kong. Many thanks uh, once again for both your time, and I look forward to having you back on next time. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Thank Norman. you.